Uh, hi, hi. My name's Mark Grist. I, I used to be an English teacher. I'm approaching middle age, and I really want to learn how to rap. Last time on Mark Can't Rap. You love rap. Just remember that and try and have a bit more fun with it. I was talking to my friend about this the other day. I nearly didn't use the Ofsted lyric. You knobhead, I hope you drop dead. If I punch you in the face, who are you going to call? Ofsted? <laughs> if it would be possible to commission you to put together a beat that's a banger. Let's start with the facts. My name's Mark and I rap. I've been having lots of trouble trying to master the craft. A lot of the stuff you have to go through, all the failures to make a track sound good, is enough to drive someone mental. Hey guys, I hope you're doing okay. Currently, I'm trying to write a banger. A track that bangs that brings a crowd to life. You know, gets heads bopping, feet moving, hearts pumping, that kind of thing. It's the kind of track that feels important, in a way, to me right now, in the middle of a lockdown, where life has definitely come to a standstill. Right now, it's the second week of February in 2021. I'm not sure when you're listening to this exactly, but we've just had the weirdest Christmas of most of our lives. Uh, it is with a very heavy heart, I must tell you, we cannot continue with Christmas as planned. A few weeks ago, on the 19th of December, with less than a week's notice, Christmas in the UK, as we've always known it, was cancelled. Christmas Day gatherings with family or friends from outside our households, they were made illegal. Anyone found meeting up would incur a fine. In England, those living in Tier 4 areas should not mix with anyone outside their own household at Christmas, though support bubbles will remain in place for those at particular risk of loneliness or isolation. And as your Prime Minister, I sincerely believe there is no alternative open to me. Even with everything we've been through, the lockdowns we've experienced, the social gatherings and Christmas parties that have been cancelled, I never thought something like this would happen. I don't think anyone did, really, especially at such short notice. It's been tough. I'm not sure how your Christmas was. I hope it wasn't too bad. Lucy and I still got to be with my mum, at least. She lives alone, and we're in the same bubble. So that was something. But when it came to the rest of our family, like most people across the country, we ran our Christmas over Zoom. We sat in front of a laptop and unwrapped gifts. Showed family members what we'd brought and wrapped for them. A bunch of gifts they couldn't touch, but that we'd take around when the rules allowed, hand them over in a car park or something. Then, once gifts were done and kisses were blown, in the time it took for us to close our laptops, Christmas was over. 2020 at an end. Thank fuck.
on to 2021, where we're still in lockdown and we still don't know how long for. Life still seems on hold. And I don't know. A banger, one lively track to get the heart pumping in this pit where everything stays the same. That could be just what I need right now. One thing has improved, for me at least, as the new year's begun. I'm working again. Delivering writing workshops for schools across China, Singapore, Indonesia and South Korea. There's a lot of bookings that have come in. More than I know what to do with. Right now, I spend almost every night delivering performances and workshop sessions to students. I normally broadcast from midnight until about 7am from my living room. Just me and Bruce. You enjoying your bones? Bruce is our newest addition to the family. He's a rescue pug. And ever since we got him, he won't leave me alone. He sits on the sofa next to me every single night, whilst Lucy and our other dog, Boo, are asleep upstairs. Bruce doesn't like to leave my side. I think it might be because I'm the biggest one in the house, the biggest one in his new pack. Bruce is a little anxious. He went through quite a stressful time before coming to us. And so he can get a little jumpy whenever people knock at the door. Bruce! Or when we watch TV. Bruce, turn your big Bruce, it's not real birds. They're not real birds. They're not in here. Yeah, he's hard work with the TV a lot of the time. Hey, Bruce! Oh, Brucey, it's not worth it, baby boy. Come on. It's just Eamon Holmes, Bruce. We just can't watch anything with Eamon Holmes in now, right? Losing out on TV shows with Eamon Holmes in isn't, like, the biggest loss, but we can't watch anything with wildlife in. Anything that has birds or horses in it is totally out, especially horses. Bruce hates them. Bruce, it's a horse. It's all right, Bruce, it's just a horsey. All right. All right. All right, fine, we'll just turn it off. For Christmas, Lucy bought me a game for my PS4, one I'd been wanting for a while, a game called Red Dead Redemption 2. It's a Wild West adventure that I'd been looking forward to for a while now, but... Just let me get out of the town and get the side. Like most Wild West adventures in Red Dead Redemption 2, you ride about on a horse. Brucey! Bruce! I've just... I've got off. I'll just run. It's how you get to or from pretty much every quest in the game. And Bruce... I'll just run instead. Happy now? Isn't a fan of that. Brucey... Come on, I'm not even riding that one. Now, because of Bruce, when I play Red Dead Redemption 2 between Zoom poetry workshops in the middle of the night, I just run everywhere instead. Sometimes I run through Wild West outcrops for 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. It's slow and frustrating and definitely not how the game was meant to be played. But I don't know. Spending each night sprinting, 
clumsy and horseless in a world designed for horses that feels pretty fitting as an artist right now. It's kind of what my artistic life is like. I know there are better ways to work than this, but they're just not available. Back before COVID, one of the last gigs I had was at the Royal Albert Hall in the Elgar Suite. It was a show for families and it was packed, nearly sold out. And the gig was really satisfying for me. I've spent a lot of time as both a teacher and a performer in front of audiences. I've got used to scanning and spotting anyone that's not engaged, adjusting my tone, delivery or material to bring them back in, keep them along for the ride. And at that gig, all of that really clicked. It felt fun and rewarding working the crowd, giving oxygen to the left and the right of the room, the guys at the back bringing them in. I, I remember coming off after the gig, just buzzing. But now, well, I deliver shows now at 4 a.m. through the camera on my laptop. I can't see half the audience. Most classes just mute themselves. And most faces, often all the faces that I can see, are covered by masks. So a lot of the ways that I could scan an audience, work out who's engaged, they aren't there anymore. It means it's hard to generate the same energy, both from the audience and from me too. During these sessions, it, it feels like my body is telling me I should still be in bed. Often, and with all this going on, when I perform, my timing is out now. Lines or jokes that used to pop just don't. I'm more clunky and more awkward, both physically and mentally. And sometimes I wonder whether I could handle another gig at the Royal Albert Hall, even if it was to come back. But hey, I'm still moving, earning money for the first time in a long time. If this is the way that I have to play the game from now on, then I still want to play it. You know? I just wish I wasn't so isolated and confused, I guess. My head is kind of a mess from all of this, I think. A and I guess I should just get on with writing this banger, right? Perhaps that can help me fix things. I've identified successful examples. I've learnt the rules from Maestro. I've even got beats. Blizzard sent two over to me. Bruce and I listen to them whilst I'm running around through the desert some nights. Here's the first one. The second one sounds like this. What do you think? Which beat do you prefer? I've added a free link to download both those beats as part of the description of this episode. 
If you feel like you could write something to one of those beats, you're welcome to. Take it, have a go. Blizzard and I would love to hear what you've got. If you do decide to write something to one of these beats, feel free to send it to mark at markgrist.com. If you do, I'll be sure to listen to it, and my favourite tracks will feature in the final episode of this season. Seriously, why not try it? As for me, out of those two beats, I prefer the second one. As much as I like it, I just feel kind of numb, though. Kind of empty, unmotivated to write. I don't think it's anything to do with the beats, either. I just feel exhausted right now, discombobulated. It's hard when my routine is so confusing now and the world makes so little sense. If I could just get some motivation. But who can I speak to about this? Most days, I don't get up until 9pm in order to start getting ready for work. So it's hard to find someone to talk to about this. And that's why, like before, when I felt lost, I decided to turn to Cameo. I figured I'd message an MC that I admire, Dirty Diana. She's an artist from the US. I liked her track Cash Out when it came out. Someone linked it to me a while back. Yeah, buddy, rolling like a big shot. Bobby don't tick tock, I'm in the hood with flip flop. Real bitch, let her ride with the stick. Cash out, every time I'm in this bitch. Baby fix, they thinking that I'm in a stick. Cash out, every time I'm in this bitch. Real And I thought it banged, so I messaged her. I just told her about my situation and asked her what advice she'd give me when trying to write a banger. Then, five nights later, towards the end of a workshop with two classes in South Korea, I got a notification saying Dirty Diana had responded. I was excited. A message from someone. It felt like receiving food or water or, or something more than advice. Once my workshop was over, I logged into my account and Bruce and I listened to what she had to say. What up, Mark? It's your girl, Dirty Diana. You already know the vibes. Um, what keeps me motivated is love. I never forget the love that I have for the music, the reason why I did it in the first place, the, re the, the creativity side of it, um, being creative, being different, being able to express yourself through writing. Um, it's a gift, and if you, as long as you remember the love, you'll be fine. Um, whenever I get stuck, I like to put on my favorite artist. Um, whoever your favorite artist, artist is, listen to your favorite artist. All negative things away. Anything that motivates you, you need to just take a second. Take a second. Listen to your favorite artist. Listen to some motivation, motivational speeches. Then get back to it. Remember, it's the love. It's all about the love. Don't forget the love and the art. Dirty. It sounded like good advice. If I was going to write a banger, I needed to reconnect with my love for music. Over the next few nights, in between 3am workshops in Indonesia, we listened to my favourite artists, me and Bruce. Just like Dirty Diana suggested, I played a bunch of tracks by Rage... As you listen to these crazy tracks 
And a lot of tracks by Tyler, the creator, including this one. I ain't got time for these niggas. Better throw a watch at the door. Have my boys in this bitch looking like a seminar. Who the fuck talk to motherfucker, boy? I ain't got time. It's a banger, right? It's called I Ain't Got Time. It's a track from Tyler, the creator's album, Flower Boy. I've been playing it before each workshop I deliver, just to get my energy up, get my blood pumping. I also play another track from the same album, this one. This one's called Boredom. Boredom, 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 boredom. My bedroom flows a cereal burial. I'm serious. I ate them all. Dry boxes, bodies. Yeah, I call them. If we're talking about real meals, that's my stomach. He ain't saw them. I've been in this fucking room so long. My eyeballs are turning to drywall. My friends suck. Fuck them. I'm over them. Hi, y'all. Y'all ain't hit me all day. What the fuck is the problem? Is it me? Because I'm not solved. I'm bored. I love this track. I know it's not a banger, like I ain't got time, but boredom just nails how I'm feeling right now, I think. Sort of stuck, alone, inside a cosy, angry, guilty nest of my own making. I get to thinking about what Dirty Diana said, how I should try to find motivational speeches connected to music, to inspire me. And I found this interview where Jared Carmichael talks to Tyler the Creator about the making of Flower Boy. Jared Carmichael starts the interview off by saying this. This album, uh, like when I when I first heard it and well, the more I hear it, I feel like the only like appropriate question to ask you after listening to it is, are you okay? Like, is something <laughs> wrong? <laughs> it, like, like it's like gut wrenching. It, it's both beautiful. It's very beautiful, but it's like parts that hurt a little bit. I can understand why Jared Carmichael says this. There is a lot of beauty, but a lot of pain in Flower Boy. And for Tyler, it sounds like the whole album was about trying to heal in some way, to fix the damage he'd taken, the loss of connection with his audience that he felt after his previous album, Cherry Bomb, sort of bombed. Because it almost seems like you had, like, a thing to prove with this, with this album. Like, just, I don't know, to yourself or, well, like... I just, I just knew if this album wasn't good, I would be fucked. That's how I felt. And some people would disagree, but I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm nothing right now. You yeah. felt that way coming off Cherry Bomb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone hated it, except for, like, real music level yeah. who cares about drums like i opened a rap album with a punk uh, a rock song yeah most niggas is like uh and then buffalo comes you can barely hear what i'm saying then pilot come and it's this 80s music so they're out because they want rap then run comes doom, doom, they don't know and then find your wings come and it's like okay this is chill then cherry bomb just punches them so they're out and a lot of people didn't know how to take it in the first track of flower boy tyler's kind of drowning in his own doubt and isolation Cherry Bomb went so badly wrong for him that he's isolated, cut off from his audience and the wider world. In the opening track, he's asking himself questions off the back of this disconnect. They're just tumbling out of his head onto the track. 
How many cars can I buy till I run out of drive? How much drive can I have until I run out of road? How much road can they pave until I run out of land? How much land can it be until I run in the ocean? This unfiltered flurry of worry and anxiety and self-doubt. How many raps can I write till I give me a chain? How many chains can I wear till I'm considered a slave? How many slaves can it be till that turn or rise? How many rise can it be until them black lives matter? It's like his mind's unraveling. He's worrying that he's washed up, finished. His connection with his audience severed for good. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like me, he's worried he'll never get back to that place again. How much cooler can I get until I run out of fans? How many fans can I have until they turn on the AC? If the AC blow, well, then I'm TNT. I'm gone. Listening to Tyler's interview and how he felt when he wrote those questions, it made me wonder about my own questions, what I'd ask myself right now. So I wrote them down one morning at 6.30am before heading to bed. (laughs) I didn't have the best sleep afterwards, but these are the questions I wrote down. Will I perform again? Will I know how to? Will I get COVID? Will Lucy get COVID? Will I get long COVID? Will it prevent me from working? Will I be able to keep people safe? Is this the end for our economy? Will I lose my house? Will my mum get sick? Does anyone in power actually care? Looking at this list, it felt like a lot. Tyler goes on in the interview to explain that getting out of his head, escaping these questions, meant reconnecting with his audience, observing them, sort of studying them, and establishing a connection through that study. He wanted to get other people moving, dancing. And to do that, first off, he spent a lot of time watching people in clubs. Just hooked. I... I, uh hanging out with Travis Taco. I went to a club with him and just seeing what people, how people reacted. You never go to clubs. I hate them. You never go to clubs. When I go, I would just study, oh, that that bass drop or, oh, that girl loves that part. And just like, okay, I want to have a song that has that feeling. Tyler really put the work in to get out of his own head. He ran his own covert focus groups to help him understand who he was writing for. This made me think about what I'm doing. This banger. I'm totally in my own head. And I'm unravelling because of it. Perhaps observing someone else or others in some way. That could help me. Like it seemed to help Tyler. In the end, for him, it, it really paid off. Last night, I went to, me and Lionel went to like a house party mm-hmm. and they, they, all the songs they were playing, Senorita by Justin, Tell Me by Total, Frontin' by Pete, like all these house party songs. And that's when one of his new tracks came on. See You Again came on and it's full of black people yeah. that for sure go to clubs. Yeah. And they were in there like singing the lyrics and I was like, oh shit. I've always wanted that. To just have black people I, I did dance. It. Yeah, yeah. To your, I yeah, was yeah. so hyped. And I was, we were playing Jenga and I was being cool about it, but inside I was like, oh shit. You're going crazy. I finally have something that they could do that to. 
It's clear Tyler's always watching audiences. Like at Coachella. Nobody want to hear this deep-ass voice rap for that long. Let me shut the fuck up and do a hook so all the white girls at Coachella could say it because it was too rapidy. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm not lying, doing festivals, you realize white people love singing along this shit. But being in the same room with an audience right now, that's a horse I can't ride. The rest of the country is asleep. I can't go out. I can't meet with anyone. I've got no face-to-face -face gigs or shows. It's just me in this sitting room with Bruce. And that's when Bruce seemed to turn to me and say, What if you wrote for me, Mark? What? Why not study me? See if you can learn the same process, but on a smaller scale. But that's... that's crazy, Bruce. Is it? The Beatles did it, Mark. They included high-pitched sounds, specifically for dogs to hear. They did it in their track, The News Today. Really? Yeah, yeah. They wanted to get dogs to go crazy all over the country any time that song was played on the radio. Did it work? Not really, no. But trying it was good enough for the Beatles, Mark. Okay, so hang, hang on. Let me get this straight. Yeah. Bruce. Yeah. What you're saying is... Yeah. If I want to write a rap banger, I need to be able to observe my audience to see what stuff they respond to, just like Tyler, the creator, did when he was working on Flower Boy. Exactly. And seeing as I can't go to a nightclub in Miami... It's impossible. I could just... Instead, look at you, my dog. Yeah. And through this process of dogservation, nice I could work out when my track was really banging. Exactly. Who's a clever boy? But, but that's never going to work, Bruce. Sure it will. After all, scientists did the opposite with reggae. What? You're making this up. No, no. Scientists found that reggae is relaxing for dogs. The BPM matches almost perfectly with our heartbeat. There's articles about it online. Look, just type dogs BPM and reggae into Google. There you go. See? Bruce was right. There were loads of articles on similar practices. Scientists had looked into music as a way to teach instructions to calm stressed dogs even alter their behaviour. It says here that researchers found that soft rock and reggae music lowered the dog's heart rate. The study suggested that regardless of genre, with lower BPM tracks, the dogs spent more time lying and less time standing than when the music was played. See, play the music, observe the behaviour. How is that different to what Tyler did? Really, when it comes down to it, what if you just did the same thing but got me hyped, got me excited through music. I suppose. I mean, I, I could try eight bars or something. That's it, buddy. Write a rap for me. Trust the process. And don't mention any horses. So, that Tuesday at 4.30am, I ordered a heart rate monitor 
for dogs. That seemed like the best way to measure the impact of my writing on Bruce. Two weeks later, the package arrived. Hurry up and open it. Perhaps we should start with the BPM, I figured. Was Bruce's heart rate really similar to reggae? I rigged it up. And you know what? It kind of is. Not far off, right? I found that when Bruce had the heart rate monitor on, some things really increased the tempo. Eamon Holmes did loads. I didn't want him stressed out, though, so maybe I should focus on things that just pick the heart rate up a bit, you know? So yeah, I took one of the beats from Blizzard, up to the BPM to 82, that's a range that Bruce could get to that's not as high as, as Eamon Holmes or anything that seems to stress him out, but it's higher than his starting heartbeat. And then I thought, let's use some of the sounds he likes that get a good positive response, just like Tyler did. The top five phrases are, walkies, good boy, din dins. If I just mention Boo's name, that does it too. If I say, hey Boo, Boo. Or if I make a bit of a growl and I shake his tiger toy. Those are the sounds that get Bruce pumped. And with all that in mind, this is a bit of a test, I suppose. If you have a dog, why not pause this, bring them over, and let them listen too. See if uh, see if my banger works. Ready? Okay. Here goes. Chew toy, drag it up to bed, bringing you joy. Girl, little Brucey in the hoose, on the Lucy, little ferret hiding in the room, doing zoomies on the tune. Oi, wash your washer, look at what I gave you. I'm playful, wanna scrap a tug of war, never been ungrateful. Hey, boo, yummies, my mind's unhinging, I'ma get it started, and it's time for ding dings, walkies. That'll be fantastic, just a little walkies. There's a treat, I'm ripping up my basket, ditch the door keys, other catsies off the latch, it's not for pure breeds. Ha, 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 I feel fantastic, give me more cheese Grr, Made to roam, give me belly rubs Maybe some gravy bones, give me back like fuss Go on then take me home First left me lift my leg and spray up on Eamon Holmes That's good Mark, it's got potential But what about the hook? Oh, uh, good point Um, how about, uh Never gonna fail, cause I'm wagging my tail, yeah Never gonna fail, cause I'm wagging my tail, yeah Never gonna fail, just keep wagging my tail to tail Never gonna fail, never gonna fail, never that listen This is what you do This is how you always look to me It's just like it's like a cat. And I'm stuck, and I'm stuck. And this is a good song. I'm a dog in the whip, and I'm a rat, sniff it up, and I'm a motherfucking dog. Oh, God. God, I really am losing my mind. 
next time on Mark Can't Rap. We've been in lockdown since December now, and I've certainly had plenty of time to write a banger. I just can't. What percentage of your time would you say you spend writing compared to all the other components? Like 10%, if that. Like maybe 5%. It, it, to me, it's always like, well, what are, we, what are we here to do? Forget all the, the, the technical stuff. What did you say that made someone relate? What did you say that made someone go, oh, I felt that in my soul? This episode of Mark Can't Rap was written and narrated by me, Mark Grist. It featured script editing by Ross Sutherland and audio editing and production by Juxta. This podcast was supported using public funding by Arts Council England. Thanks for listening.